A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of Ask Told by Nomads. And today's episode is pretty, pretty interesting. If you're in the business of building a brand today, you're most likely trying to figure out how to engage with customers on a day-to-day level. That is going to be answered today because we have... A very recognized global brand strategist today, Nicole Artas, and she is a, she's an innovator. She has helped build many of the world's finest and most influential brands. Her thinking has been embraced by companies such as Jim Beam, Wrigley, SC Johnson, Mike's Hard Lemonade, Johnson and Johnson, General Mills, Kraft and Nestle. I can go on and on. But as the president of Free Range Brands, she's rallied a global community of mobile and modern brand builders to throw off the shackles of pre-digital age models and embrace a new way of thinking. So I'm so excited to welcome her to the show. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, the pleasure is mine. And uh, Nicole, how did you discover what Free Range Brands were? You know, I, as you mentioned, have been working for a lot of these global companies for over 20 years. And what I've realized as, you know, a lot of these brands hire me to help rethink how they might go to market. And in the last five to seven years, they're really trying to emulate some of the smaller brands, which is a major shift from where these brands used to be. They used to never think the smaller brands could ever um, hold a candle to them or even, you know, uh, get on a store shelf or or they the, the barriers to media spend were too high. They couldn't get on TV. So they were never a threat before. And now suddenly, just in the matter of a few years with, you know, the, the walls and all these barriers coming down, suddenly the, the younger, smaller, more agile brands are really taking over. And, and, and my big clients are asking me, how do we become like them? And so I've started looking at what these brands are doing that the big brands aren't. And really what it all ladders up to is that these brands were built 50 years ago in an era of one-way controlled communication. Everything was controlled from the way they 
marketed the brand, to the way they innovated, to the way they distributed the brand. And these new brands are really set up to navigate unpredictability and relinquish control to a community. So it's a very different mindset. And when I started to see the difference between these traditional large legacy brands and these smaller, you know, brands that are just breaking through, it really came into this idea that, you know, these big brands are very tethered. They're very top down. Um, whereas the smaller brands are set up to let go. And that's how I started to feel that these, these brands are, are, I coined the free range brands. No, I love it. And I was, I was just remarking about how I love your book. And for those listening, her book is called free range brands joined in the, the new breed of agile brands. And it's, it's interesting to me because you do give certain examples in the book about how, old brands that didn't adapt have become dinosaurs and how that that then they just decide like oh my goodness i have to like really get to the game but it was too late for them i'm wondering if you could give the audience a brief history of branding just to highlight the transformation (laughs) so um Traditional brands, you know, the way they were built was, are you asking me to describe how they were built? I mean, the thing is that they were built, okay, in in a very orchestrated fashion. You know, I've been in brand building for for some of the biggest brands for over 20 years. and, And anyone who's been in the business that long knows that we spend years testing before we even put something out. Then we might you know, in in terms of our innovation cycles, they may be two to three to four or five years out. Everything that's been done has been done in a way that's that has a very long lead time because big brands used to have the space to do that. It was very hard for a new brand to make it to market. They couldn't get on shelf. And back in the day, there was nowhere else to buy a product other than uh, at the store. Um, Slotting fees to get onto a store shelf could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Many, many small brands could never do that. So they couldn't even get on shelf. They certainly couldn't get on TV. The smaller brands just didn't have the ability to break through to the consumer out there. And so what what wound up happening was the big brands started really dominating a lot of the communication in terms of what they could do to communicate um, who they were. They were slow because they could be. And frankly, they could say anything they wanted to say and people would buy it hook, line, and sinker. And in time, um, you know, people really came to believe that. If there was something wrong, if there was something that consumers felt wasn't right, um, or if they felt that a, uh, a company didn't treat them right or the product didn't live up to the right standard, they would maybe have the option to call the customer call center, which we know would, you know, get buried somewhere and you'd never hear about it again. Now everything has changed. The the walls of transparency, they're, they're torn down. Now people can see what's going on within a company and they can test that. That company on a very public stage. And within a minute from one person, a whole backlash can come forth in terms of um, people being able to uh, hear about what a company is doing and reject what that company is doing. And we're seeing it everywhere. Right. The, the Internet has sort of played that great equalizer role. It's, it's really broken down a lot of a lot of walls and given you know, power to, to what you would, you know, people would say were smaller brands in the future. It's almost created this influencer marketing uh, place where people can now actually see and they demand more and it's more transparent, um, it would seem like at least. 
Yeah. And you know, I mean, my belief is this. It's not that we as people have changed. It's that technology has allowed our values to come forth. A lot of people believe that technology has really dehumanized us, made us more isolated and and less um, able to connect with each other. But in reality, what it's done is it's created a platform for consumers to uh, hold brands to a, a higher standard. And, um, and so, you know, even though we talk about millennials changing, everything. It's really a millennial mindset that really came from their boomer parents. Their boomer parents instilled certain values in the younger generation that now that generation is using technology to bring forth. So, you know, I, I do take um, issue with a lot of people who kind of look at millennials as a very different generation or even Gen Z and where the generations um, are today. And and we saw recently Simon Sinek talk about, you know, how millennials, uh, you know, have a sense of entitlement and want to have impact within, you know, the first three weeks, etc. And I challenge that because the issue isn't that... um, Millennials are different. It's that millennials have different tools and they are using their values to bring those tools forth. I mean, they're using those tools to bring their values forth. So, so when you think about the, the values that their parents instilled in them, their, their parents were the boomers. They were the activists. They were the ones that didn't trust organizations. They didn't, um, they wanted to see change. They were the ones that broke from the silent generation. But at the time, they didn't have the tools to actually bring those um, values forth to the degree that they could. And so they instilled those values in their children. And now their children are bringing those values forth. And some people uh, really don't like to hear what they have to say. And, and perhaps they don't like the manner in which they're bringing it forth, but it's coming. And the reason why uh, they aren't being ostracized by you know, their parents or or some of the boomers generation is because they share those values. And in fact, what you see is, is unlike any parent child generation in history, both boomers and millennials share a very strong parent child relationship. Um, Whereas most children tend to break from their parents and reject their parents and try to reinvent boomers and millennials are actually quite similar. It's so interesting that you're saying this because I, I, I'm a millennial, you know, and, and I was just having this conversation in another podcast and the, the lady that interviewed me was a Gen Xer and, and she called us the cupcake generation. She also brought up Simon Sinek's interview and, and her thing was the impatience. And now the, the, she, she that's, you know, that was what her she felt like everybody sort of didn't work hard enough to, to get that. And like you, I, I do I do challenge that assumption that that technology just changed all of a sudden or that this generation is a, is a special generation. I, I, I agree with you that technology enables uh, our generation and more brands now to do more than they, they probably wouldn't do. It gives people the chance to voice out their their views and their their opinions. And. I'm, I just hadn't done that correlation with the boomers and 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 um, millennials until I read your book because for some reason I thought well the parents of millennials are Gen Xers so it, it it's it's different but looking back in the history it does make sense that the younger boomers are a lot of the parents because they are before us they were the largest generation yeah Gen Xers are a little more of a blip and yes they do they <laughs> you are, just they... said they're blip. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but the, but but it's really what I see is a mindset, and I've heard it referred to as a millennial mindset. Um, that's how I look at it. Uh, I think it's really the values that people hold 
hold up today. And I think that's why we're seeing um, such push for change. And you know what? Change is disruptive. Change doesn't, it doesn't suddenly come forth in a way that everybody embraces. But if, if, if those values weren't being put forth today, we wouldn't see what's going on in our political arena. We wouldn't Absolutely see not. what's going on with the challenge to workplace culture. Um, we wouldn't see uh, consumers holding brands to a higher level. We wouldn't see brands trying to embrace purpose. Um, we wouldn't see these things because they wouldn't be values that people are pushing on them. But business has to respond. And whether that's the brand or it's the organization, they're being forced to respond. And I don't think they would be doing that if millennials weren't doing what they're doing. Yeah. And in the book, you call it mutiny by transparency. So I, can you expand on what the modern mindset is? Because you have four principles, four deep-seated cultural needs that are interested in that. I would love for you to expand on that. I think they're sure. pretty cool. Yeah, so um, it's interesting because in my time uh, working for a lot of these big brands, I, I spend a lot of time deep diving into consumers and learning through you know millions and millions of dollars of research um, what the values of these consumers have to try to help these brands resonate with those consumers. And and since I've been in this business a long time, we dug deep into boomers for many years, and then it transformed into digging to millennials. And And the big aha for me is that uh, they share values. They share four very profound values. And then it, it, it became very clear to me that those values were shared because of the nature of the relationship between these two generations. Um, and the first is the need for self-expression. And when you think about, you know, really when you think about the boomers, the boomer generation was the counterculture generation. Self-expression um, really defined their generation. You know, they were all about the upheaval of music, festivals, uh, fashion, sex, feminism. This really defines when you think about the Clintons or, you know, who uh, uh, Steve Jobs and uh, Bill Gates. These are the boomers that really changed um, the way we, uh, you, you know, what was very different from the generation that preceded them. But when you think about boomers infusing those values in their millennial children, they really encouraged them to express themselves in ways that no generation before them was able to. So, you think about, um, uh, I, I always think like if Gen X came uh, of age when technology was really hitting its stride, I think we wouldn't see things like follow me or broadcast yourself or subscribe to my blog or selfies. Gen X wasn't wired that way. Gen X was the lost generation. But millennials were infused with these values of, you know, go out there and express yourself, be who you are, you know, um, take the bull by the horns and don't be afraid of who you are and how you're different. And it's such a culturally diverse generation that boomers infuse those values. And now millennials are taking that forth. And what they're doing is, is they're um, demanding that brands allow them to personalize and showcase their individuality through the brand. And that's something that brands can do. And it's something that organizations can do because millennials, like their boomer parents, want to self-express. So that's the first one. Um, the second is the need for influence. And, you know, boomers are really known for their um, 
their their activism and really fueled by a distaste for war, dirty politics, inequality, injustice. You know, that's Bernie Sanders. It's 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 everything <laughs> that millennials. It, this really um, defines the relationship that millennials have with 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 Bernie. You know, it's like this idea of the need to influence. You know, back in the day, it was Watergate, women's libs, civil rights. Today, we've got the wiki generation, but their protests take a different form than the protests of the past. They're really big at building communities to generate momentum. And that's why, um, you know, whether it's a brand or whether it's an organization, what they can do is really leverage millennials' desire to influence and impact and not you know, be disturbed by the fact that why would you want to be disturbed by a fact that a millennial wants to make quick impact in your organization? To me, that's fantastic, right? Maybe what we need to do is give them more opportunities to make it smaller impacts quicker um, versus say, no, no, you have to work here five years before you can have a seat at the table. You know, I just I don't understand, you know, the idea behind that. I think the idea is to recognize that this generation wants to make an impact and embrace that. Wow. Um, the third is the need to be relevant. And uh, boomers, when you look at the boomer generation, they're aging like no other you know, generation in, in their past. They still want to be relevant. They still want to be active. You know, the, the generations that preceded them, they were old and, you know, cooped up by this point in their lives. But boomers have a very um, strong uh, uh, desire to remain relevant for years to come, despite, you know, where they are in their in their age. Whereas, Millennials um, were raised with constant reinvention. And so if something's not in a constant state of motion or reimagining or evolution, it's really going to bore a millennial very quickly. Some people look at this as the issue of instant gratification, but you can also look at it as the need for reinvention and speed and reimagination. And I think that's something that both generations share, and I think it's something we can embrace. And the last is the need for truth. Um, you know, millennials' parents were the original truth seekers. They didn't trust authority. They were naturally skeptical. We think about Watergate in their era. But today, millennials, they really don't have any reason to, to believe that, um, you know, they, ha- they can trust anyone or anything in terms of the large organization or government either. I mean, they came of age when banks were embroiled in scandal, Social Security headed toward bankruptcy. Um, you know, the church went through scandal. Um, so many large institutions uh, demonstrated that they weren't worth trusting. And that's why so many millennials want to start their own business and they want to rely on themselves. And so the idea of being able to demonstrate a core truth and authenticity and something that's real and something believable and something that has purpose, whether you're a brand or an organization, is so critical to resonate with this um, generation. I love that so much, Nicole. And, and for those listening, just to recap, the, there are four deep-seated cultural needs that are now emerging and fueling nearly all social engagements. And they are the need for self-expression, the need to influence, the need for relevancy, and the need for truth. But if you want to get more of that, you're going to have to buy the book, which is... What? Free Range Brands. <laughs> <laughs> Free Range Brands by Nicole Ortez. Um, I, I love I love what you're saying. And, you know, as a, as a generational and diversity and cult, company culture consultant myself, I have all these type of conversations. And a lot of these uh, questions do come up. So I'm glad that you articulated them, um, 
the same way. And sometimes when I'm, I'm the one doing that, I, I have to remind myself, I'm a millennial. I hope I'm not being, um, you know, close-minded here. But, you know, it's, it's great to hear from you validating that because uh, I do agree in that enabling. And, and actually, it's not that we're special. It's just, you know, there are different tools now and we just amplify them. Um, sp- speaking of these tools, you have a section in the book, which is possibly my favorite, you talk about the idea of a product poser or platform. Can you elaborate mm-hmm. on those three things? Yeah. So, you know, back in the day, a product could be a product, which is, you know, something that does something for you. It has a certain function or a service um, at a certain price point. And, and when there were limited options, that was fine. Um, but many uh, brands or organizations today are still operating as a product. And a product is really differentiated by its functional benefit and its price point. Um and and the issue with that is that ultimately it's not going to stand the test of time because as we see Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST with commoditization and the ability to find anything anywhere, um, you have to be something more. And so what's happened with a lot of companies is they've identified this idea of purpose. And they but sometimes they misunderstand it. They feel that, you know, we have to have a, a bigger purpose or a bigger um, reason for being than just, you know, who we are and what we do. And so and so this is this whole idea of start with why, why do we do it? And and what I call a lot of these brands that that take this kind of artificial approach is poser brands because what they do is they try to affiliate with a purpose that might sound good. So maybe some uh, proceeds go to benefit something that they've affiliated with. And that makes them feel that they're, you know, maybe a, a more purposeful organization. But the issue really isn't um, to just kind of use that as a fig leaf. The idea is to really go ladder yourself up to being a platform. And the reason here is because if you want to be a product, you can make your product the hero. And that's what brands did back in the day where there was very little competition. And making the product hero means you talk about yourself and you talk about what you do and you talk about your features and benefits and your price point. But ultimately, all of that can come under attack and you'll have nothing left to stand on. But by trying to affiliate with um, you know, just some sort of you know purposeful institution that might be outside of you, you're really not embodying that as a core purpose. And ultimately, you're not going to be able to um, embrace uh, a a community and really turn the camera around and make your community the hero. And the big difference between a brand and a product is who the hero is. A product uh, is the hero in a product model. The consumer is the hero 
in a platform model. And so when you go up to laddering your brand up to being a platform, today, I think brands and businesses have more power than governments or world leaders. They can make great change because they have communities of people behind them. And if they can embrace a purpose, something that's bigger than just their features and benefits and price, they can get brand loyalty like no other. And even more importantly, it allows them to participate in the social media um in a way that other brands that are just products can't do because they have something to talk about and they have a relevant reason for being. And it's not just the product that can attract customers, it's the organization that can attract employees. Because employees today want to work somewhere that matters. They want to work somewhere where that's having an impact on the world at large. And so when an organization or a product embraces a platform and really lives and breathes it, it can be transformative in the way they go to market and in everything that they do. Um, and so so really... In- You know, so many products today are still kind of marketing themselves in the old way of being a product, which is your traditional positioning model. Who are we targeting? What what do we offer and and why versus really embracing this idea of platform? Um, And so and so I think that's a big opportunity for brands. And I think many brands are starting to see it. But the brands that are kind of just dipping their toe in the water, I characterize them as the posers. No. <laughs> don't be opposed to people. Don't be opposed to people. Give me a good example of of, uh, of brands that are platforms right now. I love what Heineken is doing right now because it started with its product purpose of go places. And it really elevated the brand to this idea of opening your world. And what it did was it laddered the, the proposition of the organization all the way up to open your world and go places with its recent recruiting platform. And I don't know if you saw that, but that's something that we're not seeing anywhere um, in the brand community right now. And that's laddering your product up to your organ, laddering your brand up to your organizational purpose. Yeah. And the idea is that they're actually... Um, inviting people to come be a part of the organization and not promising them where they're going to land, but saying, you know, if you are the type of person that values this type of culture, we will give you opportunities that will allow you to um, to bring those values forth into this organization. And you can be part of this organization and you can bring that forth. And it's really building a culture and a community of people that look at building organizations differently. Yeah. Um, but also when we think about brands that um, that also do that are like Adidas with their Never Follow campaign. I mean, they came out of nowhere. You know, Adidas was kind of a dusty old brand that had been washed up. And when we think about, you know, brands that talk about um, features and benefits in terms of let's think about, you know, running shoes or, you know, why this product is better and, and, and its performance value or maybe its price point or what celebrities might endorse it. But then laddering that up to a platform of never follow and really getting into the cultural, um, you know, um, fabric of conversation and embodying the way people feel and what they value within themselves and within an organization will bring a brand forth into a way um, that consumers value it in a way that's uh, more reflective of who they are as people versus just the product and what it does for them and their, you know, ability to run faster or play better. I, that first of all, you're so eloquent with with all this stuff. I can tell the you, you know you're very passionate about this. So I, I love that you're bringing that to the interview. We, we, you mentioned you mentioned that the heroes in the platform model 
are the consumer. And in your book, you said that there are new types of consumer. You call them lords, lovers, hackers, and hawks. Can you talk about these four? Yeah. So really, these are a way to personify how today's consumers want to interact with your brand. Because the thing is, the big difference is if your brand is the hero, you're always talking about yourself. And think about that. Like, I, I like to think about brands as people. That's why I love them. So, you know, if you were a, if you were, were going to a party, you wouldn't just walk around talking about yourself and repeating the same thing over and over and over again. You know, nobody would want to be, you know, stand next to you. They keep wanting to get away from you. But if you look at like what a lot of brands do on social media, they just constantly are pushing out their brand name and and why they're better. And and it's so uninteresting to most consumers because today to build a brand, you have to build a community and you have to make your 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 consumers the hero. And so I see four types of activating that, four ways of, of bringing these heroes to life. The first I like to start with are the lovers. And the lovers um, really get into this idea that all brands are headed towards commoditization. And lovers want to connect on shared values, not on product features. So this is what raises the bar for marketers to build a brand over a product. And lovers connect on values. So the idea is that lovers value currency. And you need to figure out a way to, to bring your values forth and determine who are you going to attract, like I mentioned, like with Heineken or Adidas. They're they're bringing forth their values and what they're doing is they're attracting people who have those same values so that's the lovers the lords are the modern day influencers in the past influencers used to be celebrities but today everybody has some form of a following and so these are your lords lords are everywhere today but if you um, as a as a marketer, try to put your product and your message everywhere. Think like let's think about the Super Bowl for example. Before the Super Bowl used to have talk value for 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 months to come because it was like the big place for you know marketers to showcase something provocative. But today, Super Bowl conversation is over probably even before you go to work the next day. You know, it's just not even that interesting anymore because news has such a short uh, short shelf life today. Lords value discovery. You know, when information is everywhere and we're all overloaded with information, um, the idea is to find the people who ha- who who are your lovers and give them information that they don't otherwise have so they can share with their followers. And that's how they become lords of, of information that other people don't have. And so it's really about seeding information and being a little more covert with your message than it is about being so overt and, and putting something out there. Because once it's out there, it has no value. Okay. Okay. Um, the third archetype is hackers. And hackers value interactivity. Because today... Um, modern day consumers think that brands are for them and that they should have every opportunity to interact and co-create them. And so brands that don't let consumers in are really missing a profound opportunity to connect. Um, This is the biggest challenge for old school brands because old school brands were built in an era where they put the product out there and consumers, which is a very passive term if you think about it, like we're just there to consume it. You know, they weren't there to create it. And today, the brands that are co-creating um, are really connecting with consumers in a way that that uh, that other types of brands that aren't participating with their community are missing out on. 
And the last is, is the hawks. And the hawks are what we talked about with transparency really unleashing a generation um, of, of people that don't trust companies anymore. So you really need to make sure you practice what you preach and you need to think about everything, not just in terms of your marketing message, but from where you're sourcing your ingredients to who you're hiring and how you're treating your employees because the hawks will unleash with little warning and um, and they value validity. So, so really making sure you're mindful of what you're doing is really critical to making sure you keep your hawks at bay. Wow. So which one would you say you are? So you're not one or the other. And so that's the thing that a lot of people... Um, you could be a lover with one brand. Like I could love Heineken, right? As I share values of Heineken, but I may be a hawk on another brand where I see they're doing something wrong and I'm going to out them. So it's really not which one I am. It's really more about how I use that, um, how I use that behavior to interact with a brand. So from a brand perspective, you want to make sure you're attracting lovers by, um, creating an expression of your values. You want to make sure you're igniting the lords by, you know, giving them things to discover about your brand and, and allowing them to elevate their own status by having information for their for their followers. You want to ignite your hackers by creating opportunities for interactivity and letting people be a part of your brand. And you want to um you know, really make sure your hawks aren't going to come after you by making sure you practice what you preach. So you could be any one of these archetypes at any given point in time. Mm. So, so how can marketers use these archetypes to build their brand plans then? So, so when it comes to lovers, it's really building your brand, starting with an expression of your values. So again, shifting from um, what you do to who you are and why you do it. I ask a lot of my clients, the very first thing is, what's your obsession? Why do you do this? You know, why do you get up in the morning? What excites you about this company? You know, and that's a question you can ask of a small entrepreneur to a huge global organization. And frankly, the big organizations find that question harder to answer. Um, and so it's a real asset to younger entrepreneurs. For um, building in, you know, an attraction for lords, it's about creating discovery. And that is how are you going to seed your idea? Who are the people that really care about what you're doing and might share those values? And how can you give them information that they might not readily have, but that you have? So depending on what it is, what business you're in, you probably know things that are quite interesting um, that that some people might want to know. And maybe you can share that with people in unique ways that allow them to become experts um, and share some information with their audience. You know, Taco Bell did a really great job of that. I think if Taco Bell had been, you know, a brand that, you know, on the onslaught of Hawks, looking at, you know, the the... Uh, you know, the the fast food industry, um, while most, you know, fast food businesses are struggling trying to put salads on their menu, Taco Bell was like, hell, we're Taco Bell. And we're not, you know, authentic Mexican fare. And so they appeased their hawks by by not claiming to be something that they weren't, but by really trying to create a sense of um, community through more of a culture and more of a... Um, so a lot of what they did was was attracting their lords by creating new... They constantly have the same ingredients, but they repackage it 10,000 different ways and they bring people in to discover it um, by through Twitter or through, you know, kind of underground methods. And then all those people want to tweet it out to their following or share it on Facebook. And they've built 
built an underground culture this way that has really allowed them to stay alive. And so the last two would be hackers and hawks. And the, the question for hackers is, how can you let people be a part of your brand? You know, how can you maybe ask them for ideas or showcase them as part of your brand? Bring them into your community. Don't just push your product at them. Invite them in. Let them participate or weigh in. Um, and then hawks. You know, making sure that there's nothing you're doing that's a disconnect from from who you say you are. And I think the thing with that is also to recognize that it doesn't always have to be a noble purpose. Everybody thinks that your brand has to be affiliated with something that's going to save the world. That's not the case. You just have to be authentic to who you are. Because if you think of about a brand like Urban Outfitters, you know, they're just very culturally provocative. So they get away with a lot of very provocative merchandise that, you know, you put that somewhere else and the hawks would be all after them. But nobody goes after Urban Outfitters because it's true to who they are. <laughs> no, that's that, that's so um, that that's so true. And and you know, for those listening, this is really a great way to just turn that brand equity into brand currency. And, and a lot of what what Nicole has mentioned today is the fact that you know, yes, people always say things are changing, but it's more that we have more tools and brands have to adapt and be more agile and make sure that they they are um, understand the new types of consumer. And if you want to get more of these concepts, you should definitely head over to Amazon or your nearest bookstore and uh, look up Free Range Brands by Nicole Eritas. Or is that, that's correct, right? Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I usually wrap up the interviews with, with um, my, my mission statement, which, which is use your difference to make a difference. That, that's, that's, you know, that's how I built my platform. That's, that's the benefit of, of, that's the way I started anything that I've done. You know, that's how I wake up and that's how I go to bed. So I'm very curious, Nicole, how you particularly use your difference to make a difference. You know, I think my, my, I don't know, it's, I don't know where it comes from, but my personal thing is I, I've always tried to understand the human truth behind things because to me, that's how I can make sense of the world. Um, and I think that's what has helped me do well in my career as a brand builder, because to build a brand, it's less about, you know, creating the function of a product and more about connecting with why somebody would value something like this and, and communicating it in that way. And I think that's helped me, you know, be successful as a as a brand builder and a brand strategist and innovator. But ultimately, it's what's helped me start to do more of this writing and see kind of the truth of what's going on in the world around us. It's such a crazy time now and and so much is changing. And, you know, a lot of times we get caught up in the, um, you know, oh, technology is is changing everything or these crazy millennials and Gen Z, they're, they're going crazy, you know, they're changing everything and they have these expectations. But really getting underneath the human truth behind it, it makes... Um, what's happening seem very uh, obvious, and uh, and I think for me that's what where my writing stems from, and and it's where I tend to find success in, in what I do professionally, and, and where I tend to enjoy, um, I think, kind of the journey of of excavating that human truth. Nicole, Nicole Artas, um, using her difference to make a difference by getting and uncovering the truth behind humanity. I love it. That's that's, uh, that's that's pretty great. Well, I you know I want to I want to thank you for coming on the show because this has been really action packed with a lot of 
actionable advice and also it's been illuminating and eye-opening in terms of just a new way. Well, I don't even know if it's a new way, but just eloquating it in such a way where people can say, all right, you know, now I understand. And I, I imagine a lot of marketers listening to this and people starting brands can approach their businesses in a different way as opposed to the old model. So I appreciate you spending your time and educating us on that. And um, hopefully we can get more sales to the book and also more people to, to, to your, your platform of, um, of expertise. Where can people find you? Um, you can go to freerangebrands.com or follow me on Twitter at freerangebrands. Uh, and the book is on Amazon, Free Range Brands. Free Range Brands. That's consistent branding. <laughs> such a consistent brander. Free Range Branding, Free Range Brands, the book. Free Range Brands is, is the Twitter. So if you look up Free Range Brands, you're going to find Nicole Artas. Make sure you, you follow it and you, um, you definitely uh, subscribe to, to her platforms. But ladies and gentlemen, until next week, use your difference to make a difference you've just been listening to the as told by nomads podcast for more ways to reach out to tayo and to use your difference to make a difference head over to www.tayoroxon.com This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.